The safe word is starting now. I just wrapped up two sort of mini series. I love true crime. Mm. And so I just wrapped up Hot Zone. Hot Zone's about infectious diseases, but oh. it's it's dramatized and it's based loosely on real life. And um, it went to its second season. And the second season was about the anthrax scare right after 9-11. Um, and mm-hmm. I also wrapped up Dope Sick which was on Hulu Mm -hmm. about the opioid crisis with uh, Michael Keaton, produced by Michael Keaton. Wow, okay. Um, It was really riveting. Wow, cool. I'll check that out. That sounds fascinating and like dark and upsetting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What about you, Erin? Anything? I'm not really a big TV watcher, so... I find that I have the office on in the background a lot. That's been really comforting over COVID times, I think. But oh, yeah. that's about it. It's yes. A good, it's a good uh, comfort show. I think, I think a lot of people, <laughs> it's, a big, it's a big comfort show for. Yeah, especially if, if, if you've like seen pretty much every episode. Just, <laughs> you, are, you know what's coming. So you don't have to like stress about like, what is Michael going to do next? Please, no, don't do that. You already know what's coming. <laughs> Um, I had a dream the other night that there was an office episode that I that I hadn't seen, and I was so excited about there being a, a lost episode. And then I woke up and realized, that uh, wasn't oh no! <laughs> Dang, well, that's awesome. Uh, hello, everybody. I'm your host Antoine R. Martin, and you're listening to the Safe Word, the official podcast of the Safe Alliance. Uh, pronouns are he/him, and we are recording over Zoom instead of uh, where we once recorded in the lovely Co-op Radio recording studio. Hopefully, someday we'll get back in there. And yeah, you've been hearing the voices of Aaron Clark and Rachel Caballero, uh, two of the people who make our 24/7 safe line possible so to get things started um yeah could you both introduce yourselves sure hi hi antoine and aaron i am rachel caballero and i'm the safe line director uh, for the safe line hi everyone i'm aaron clark i am the safe line senior director and what exactly is the safe line what does it do yeah the safe line is a 24 7 crisis intervention hotline, chat line, and text line. And we are the front door for the agency. We connect people to all the programs and services. And we also provide emotional support and crisis intervention to people experiencing domestic violence, human trafficking, and child abuse. And uh, could you tell us what what you do in, in your role as director? Sure. Um, As director, I recently started as director in June. Um, And as director, I am in the um, thick of things, the day to day. I help support our uh, call center uh, technology. I also supervise our management team and I uh, support our advocates uh, 24-7. Our wonderful advocates. What would we be without them? Um, and Aaron, what is what is your role? Well, let me say I'm so thankful for Rachel coming on board as our director because it has allowed me to 
kind of pull back from being in the thick of things day to day. And it's given me the ability to have a broader oversight of not only SafeLine, but also our Bridge to Safety program. Things are in excellent hands with, with Rachel and our advocates, so I can focus on the bigger picture things, working with various community partners, working with our evaluators from the UT Medical Branch at Galveston, who have been evaluating SafeLine for three years now. And looks like we're going to um, move on to phase two and have additional evaluation. Wow. And when you mentioned a uh, bridge to safety, can you go over just real quick what that is? Absolutely. Um, bridge to safety is a program within SafeLine that is ideally meant to divert people from the wait list for shelter. Um, if there's anything that we can do to help prevent someone from needing to come into shelter, um, including providing some, some limited financial assistance, that's what the program aims to do. It's a small but mighty program. We have one advocate and Bridge to Safety serves folks who walk in to our uh, resource center on Grove campus and then also um, works with folks who've, who've been referred um, by SafeLine, hopefully to divert them from our wait list. That's great. I've, I've heard nothing but good about the bridge to safety. That's great to hear. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about your work in just a sec. First, I want to ask a few questions to get to know you all a little better. We we're talking about TV shows earlier, but uh, what, what else do you like to do in your free time? Free time. That's a good, <laughs> that's oh, yeah. a good question. We're, you know, as 24 seven, we, um, work, have to work at, at ensuring we have free time and focusing on self-care. But I love to take a, a long walk with my two uh, fur babies. I have two dogs. Um, one dog I actually adopted, rescued from our family shelter, uh, from a family who had a, a dog who had puppies um, and couldn't keep all the puppies. So I like to spend time outside and with my pets that is so sweet sometimes i'll see one of the like company-wide emails that's like hey there's a an animal for adoption can anybody help and i'm like uh, i want to exactly. I want to <laughs> uh, well, what, what about you Aaron? what do you and yeah what do you do in your free time and do you have any pets currently i do not have any pets but i'm a a bird rabbit fish person. Um, I recently moved. And so I've been holding off on acquiring pets. I know if I hang in there long enough, I, I'll be able to respond to one of those emails that Shirley goes out from the shelter saying, hey, uh, a, a new home is needed for this pet. Like Rachel, free time. What What is that? Especially, you know, the, the past year and a half, two years, um, yeah, holding everything real. together through COVID. But I, I feel like we're coming out on, on the other end of that and um, things are looking good. And, and now we can um, focus on and prioritize wellness and self-care and feel comfortable having free time. I love to travel. I'm looking forward to, to COVID coming to an end so I can start to travel again. Yes. Um, love being outside. I love hiking at Pedernales and love gardening. I'm a plant person. Oh, nice. Where did you say you like hiking at? Pedernales. Where is that? I'm not sure where it is. Um, I think I would say it's like 30 to 45 minutes outside of Austin hmm. on 290 on your way to like San Antonio, Johnson City. It's it's incredible. There's water, there's hiking, camping. It's great. Sounds nice. I love a, a good hike. That's I think that's one of the things that I 
try to do when I have free time. Well, it's, it's something that I make time for is exercise. And as the weather's a little nicer now, I can more easily get out and go for a long walk or a hike. Yeah. The, the other thing that I've been doing a lot of lately is uh, playing Animal Crossing on the Switch. <laughs> it's it's just like, a, if you don't know what it is, you know, it's just a very simple, cute video game where you have villagers who you who are little animals who you get to talk to and give gifts to and you customize your house it's like the most chill like laid back slow paced video game and uh there was a recent update and I got back into it in a big way so now I play like at least like half an hour every day on it. it's very <laughs> very relaxing um and somewhere around here he'll probably make an appearance he usually does uh there's a, a cat I live with. Uh, his name is Panini. And um, I heard him yowling earlier. I don't know if the audio caught that, but yeah, he'll, he'll probably make an appearance. Um, oh, Rachel, did you say what your dog's names were? Jagger and Layla. Oh, nice. Jagger? Jagger. Nice. Like Mick Jagger? No. Okay. With a U. Jagger oh. with a U instead of the E. Okay. The Where, where's that name come from? I don't know. I I named him. <laughs> it just sounded cool. It was a name I came across years ago um, that just kind of stuck with me. And so at the first chance I could name an animal, <laughs> I named I named him Jagger. Well, I think it's very cool. One of, one of my other questions for you all is, so I take it we're, we're all in, at least in the Austin area. Are, do you have any favorite restaurants in the area? Aaron, this <laughs> this this question's so hard. There are so many, um, and also many many favorites that have closed. I think as well. There's too many. I do enjoy uh, Jamaican food. Mm -hmm. So there's a uh, Tony's Jamaican, mm. um, which was on the east side, and I think they just opened a few years ago in Pflugerville as well. Mine would have to be a tie between um, my longtime favorite. Hula Hut <laughs> on the lake, <laughs> um, and also Astor's Ethiopian. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, right, right before the pandemic was the first time I had Astor's. Uh, the communications team went there. It's so good. It's so good. Um, it's incredible. You feel so good after eating there. You come out and you're just. You mm -hmm. feel so well. Oh yeah. Um, I should have thought more about this before, because yeah, like there's like you're, there's so many places. I think the the one that comes to mind is have you had if, if you eat meat the uh, Jewboy burgers it's off of airport they have this one burger called the goyam and it is <laughs> I'm excited like talking about it it's, um so they they make their like the patties have like the onion like padded into the meat and then uh it's uh grilled pastrami and melted swiss cheese over it little mustard pickles and this like perfect fluffy potato bun it is like i've had it like a few times now so when i say it's the best burger i've had like like i mean it like it's it wasn't like a one-time thing i was just in a great mood or it was a fluke like it is so good like my mouth is watering right now as i'm talking i love seeing it. you describe that you're borderline <laughs> beauty <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm not even like hungry right now. And I would, would love one right now. Uh, <laughs> cool. So let's, let's, uh, that's a little bit about us. Let's, let's transition back to kind of work talk a little. Um, what, 
led you to your current line of work? Yeah, I started working at SAFE long ago in um, the Child Development Center years ago, maybe like in 2009. Like many people, I worked at SAFE and then I left to finish school and, and also do other things. And then I came back in 2017, I started working at SafeLine. And right before I started working at SafeLine, I actually was a doula and worked for a local org that provided and provides free doula support to uh, women of color in the Austin area and uh, people of color in the Austin area. And I found in the in the work of being a doula, um, birth work and postpartum support that many um clients and many people I supported had experienced violence and abuse um, at some point in their life. And that impacted their birthing and parenting experience. So um, I decided to come back to the work and I, I came on to SafeLine as an advocate and then a manager. And now I'm here. Um, so that really led me to this work. And as well, I'm a survivor of violence and like many, many people. Um, and so I wanted to explore what a world would look like without violence. I wanted to explore alternatives and solutions and building community. Um, so that's really what led me led me here. Wow. That's it's amazing. And I think I heard an animal chime in at the end. Erin, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how'd, you, how'd you get to safe? A long time ago. It was in 1993. And I um, answered an ad for um, a part-time hotline, domestic violence hotline worker that was needed. And I, I just fell in love with, with the work. I was looking for a job that I felt would allow me to make a difference, but also where I could pay my bills at, at the same time. And I, I was like, does such a thing exist? And so I, I felt really, really lucky to um, get started at SAFE. And I've been on the hotline and eventually SafeLine the, the entire time as it's grown. Um, yeah, the... That's, I feel like that's a through line with um, everybody who I talk to who works here, not just here, but does similar lines of work that um, this idea of like wanting to make a difference either because of something we experienced or because of, you know, some, something innate in us. Um, and because I know like for me, like I, I used to be a news reporter and in a small way, I felt like I was making you know, some kind of a difference, at least in my hometown, covering the news, holding people in power accountable, that kind of thing. But uh, I, I know that was like a major requirement for a new job was finding some, it didn't have to be violence prevention, but something where I'm improving the lives of others or educating or, you know, somehow, you know, doing, doing more than, than just sitting in an office, but, you know, if, if you're sitting in an office, that doesn't mean you can't be making a difference in other ways, but yeah, I think that's a, that's a cool through line that everybody I talk to here has. You said, how long have you, have you been with Safe Air? Um, going on, I think 29 years. Uh, I was just a baby when I started. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so you've, you've seen everything, all the, the way the, the hotline, the safe line, the Frankie Fowler safe line, as it's called now, has, mm-hmm. has grown. Um, and I know that there was a recent upgrade to the safe line. Can you talk about that? Like what's, what's new? Well, I do want to say that we implemented a new uh, call center uh, technology, but um, it was really Aaron's vision to, to grow the the hotline in that way and uh, apologies for jagger there um he's just so excited about the hotline i get it i love it every every time i get um on zoom um he's very excited (laughs) so we um we had a recent upgrade in um in the end of august and september we implemented a call center platform and technology. And this was a huge, a huge improvement for us and a huge win for us. Prior to implementing this call center platform, we actually um, had the receptionist at the uh, front desk of the resource center and the front desk of the shelter transfer all hotline calls to Safeline. And so, as you can imagine, the experience from hold times to what a caller hears when they when they call in um, has really improved. And so, I helped uh, implement that along with our IT department, and I also help uh, train our staff on on using the new technology, the new app, and also monitoring. Um, we have the ability to monitor um, a live queue of callers calling in, so we're really able to respond more more rapidly and in the best ways. Uh, to English and Spanish callers. Was, was there anything you wanted to add, Anne? I think just mentioning the ability for us to um, monitor and control the queue is a really big deal. Prior to the new call center, we didn't really have a good sense of how how long folks had to be on hold, how many callers were in queue waiting to be served, and so having that information available to us helps us make decisions about how how we serve folks. Right. Yeah, it sounds like it's just a, a more efficient, better system for everybody, for people answering the contacts for the people who are contacting us. And it, when when somebody contacts the safe line, depending on their situation, they, they may be kind of in a state of crisis, you know, like it can be very, I know it can be very serious and a lot of uh, emotions. So when you're, if you're like placed on hold or you don't get the connection you need right away, like that can make a huge difference in, in how a, a person proceeds after a really traumatic incident. So I'm glad that, that we've got this new system and everything. Absolutely. Thanks, Antoine. And, and right now, just to share with, with listeners, um, we're able to ensure that all calls are answered within 20 seconds. We're really, we're really seeing some large improvements on response. Great job. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, another very recent change, less technical, I guess, but the, the the name change, the Frankie Fowler Safe Line is the official name. Longtime listeners will recall we had Frankie Fowler on our volunteering episode once, and she's so cool. <laughs> there was a there was a recent uh, Statesman article about her and her 
40 years volunteering and yeah. Um, I don't know if, if you had anything to, to add about that or if there's anything you wanted to say about the, the name. I'm, I'm overjoyed and delighted that we've been able to, to make Safeline the, the Frankie Fowler Safeline. Um, when we were still on site on the Grove campus, um, you know, the hotline space um, was acknowledged as the Frankie Fowler hotline, but we've grown so much since then. Now we are 100% remote. And I was kind of worried, how, how is that going to transfer? Yes, I'm, I'm delighted that of this new development. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just to second that, I'm I'm also delighted. Um, I think that I have yet to meet Frankie, so I don't have a personal relationship with Frankie. But the uh, spirit of of her work and her commitment to survivors in the community um, is something that we can carry on um, now with our with our now official new name change. So. Um, I'm really excited to carry on that that legacy. So, when somebody contacts the Safe Line, uh, what what should they expect? How's how's it how's it usually go? Yeah, when someone contacts the Safe Line, from the time that they call our number, our main line, um, they'll have the opportunity to choose who they want to speak to um, in English or Spanish. And then when they um, call in, um, they'll be greeted by um, a Safeline advocate who will introduce themselves and um, explain what we do. Um, but more importantly, they will be greeted by um, someone who is empathetic and caring and knowledgeable and if a caller just needs to share or is seeking emotional support or a listening ear, we're here. If they need to be pointed in the right direction towards resources um, or if they're looking to get connected to any safe program or if we if we know a safe program may be able to offer them what they're needing, we also offer um, safety planning. Advocates carry the mission of SAFE um, to each caller, and we're able to just listen in a non-judgmental, trauma-informed um, way. That's what callers can expect. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned safety planning, because I know that's such a big deal, especially considering we our, our shelter has a wait list, you know, like that's like most shelters like us, and being able to offer some kind of planning to to help make sure people are as safe as possible when we can't get them into shelter. That's, yeah, that's a, that's a really big deal. Liz, was there anything else you, you wanted to add to that? Henry? I'm just thinking about our advocates and how amazing they are in, in the way that they meet each client where they are. There's no expectation of how the, the contact is going to go when someone reaches out. Um, our advocates are there to, to follow the lead of our caller. Yeah, I, I think that's the best way to serve folks. And I was just wondering if there were any sort of, I don't know, recent trends or things that you've you've noticed on the the safe line since the pandemic started that have started to ease up. Cause I know that there was 
a huge spike and I don't know if things are starting to slow down a little or I don't know, just any, any kind of uh, recent developments that you've observed? Yeah, well, I would say since COVID started, probably in this last, this last year, um, we've definitely seen a trend in contacts with that are in higher danger or hearing from people that are in higher lethality uh, situations. And one of those uh, trends we've been able to see a little bit or identify a little bit more clearly with our recent partnership with the Travis County Attorney's Office. Um, the Travis County Attorney's Office, um, and Erin can definitely speak uh, more to this if I forget anything, has been seeing longer wait times more recently uh, for protective order applicants. So it's essentially, it's taking the Travis County Attorney's Office longer to respond to a protective order. I think right now the wait time is um, a month. Um, So they approached us and um, asked for our support in providing safety planning to people who are in high danger waiting for a protective order. Through that partnership, we've been able to identify the trend that in uh, locally, at least uh, to community members and, and survivors that we're talking to, people are experiencing, there's greater number of people experience higher danger. This can, this can be um, really, you know, burdensome for our advocates. So we've, we've had to think creatively to um, ensure that we're supporting each other and caring for each other and um, caring for for our mental health and and things like that. And it's burdensome because our the number of you're right, Antoine, in that we have seen an increase in contacts since we implemented the call center technology. Actually, we've had some historic months. Um, in terms of volume, we've seen an increase in volume. And so an increase in volume coupled with an increase in hearing from survivors who are experiencing higher danger has um, has been, you know, challenging, but that's part of our work is, is responding and, and offering that. Um, so that's a little bit of what, what I can think of. I don't know if you have anything to add, Erin. I'm thinking about how we, at at the beginning of COVID, we worked to start to um, try to quantify how many folks we were hearing from that were experiencing homelessness in addition to the victimization that they were experiencing. And I I would say over the past one and a half to two years, we've been able to quantify that. I want to say maybe 15 to to 20% of everyone that we hear from on Safeline is experiencing homelessness. And that that is a, a serious issue um, for, for folks that are um, experiencing violence. Oftentimes they, they need to make difficult decisions about potentially staying in a dangerous situation or leaving that dangerous situation and experiencing homelessness. So I, I feel like that is has definitely come come to light for us on Safeline over the past few years. Yeah, you know, I know that's, you know, a big uh, topic of conversation in the community. And I'm glad that there is something resembling a plan, at least to expand shelter. The city is 
helping fund, uh, you know, a, a big expansion to our shelter, but that's not coming for a while. So like right now, it's still very bad. Yeah, I mean, as populations increase, there's there's a lot to. I know if I if I like let myself, I'll, I'll spiral into the the misery of it all. But um, you know, I hold on to like a little bit of hope that like there are some kind of plans in place to ease that problem. Um, but I'm glad I'm glad that you're you know that you that you're noticing those things because that's we try to provide solutions as best we can, and if say we weren't even recognizing that um, so many people who are contacting us or experiencing homelessness, we wouldn't be able to provide as, as direct a service to those people and meet them where they are. Like, so yeah. Um, yeah. I think the, those are the main, the main questions I wanted to ask y'all. Um, but was there anything that, that I might've kind of glossed over or that you, you really want the listeners to know? I, I think this was great. I feel like we need to do a part two. There's, there's so, <laughs> there's so much that we just started to scratch the surface <laughs> on today. Um, so yeah, consider us for a part two. Okay. Yeah. Gladly. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I agree, Aaron. Um, but also one thing you just said, Antoine, in terms of holding on to hope, I think that's, that's what we do at Safeline really well. Um, each advocate and each conversation, you know, day in and day out with survivors is is part of safety planning, is um, identifying that resiliency in, that survivors might, might not see because they're in, you know, crisis or trauma and, and sharing that back. So I think through those interactions, we're building that resiliency and, and that hope and leaving that hope in the community that even though things may be really bad or, or dire, there are solutions in there. And, and a lot of times survivors have those solutions as well. Um, yeah, thank you. You said it. And uh, how can people get in touch with the safe line if they uh, feel they need to, or if they know somebody who they think could, uh, could benefit from getting in touch? Um, people can call us 24-7 at 512-267-7233. Um, they can also text us. Um, we do have a text line at 737-888-7233. And they can chat in by going to our website, safeaustin.org. Thank you both. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, I've been your host, Antoine R. Martin, talking to Rachel Caballero and Aaron Clark. And this has been The Safe Word. Take care out there. <laughs>